Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Welcome to episode 9 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the comprehensive examination of the life, career, and works of actor Eric Roberts. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as always, is Todd Rigney. How are you doing today, Todd? I am doing pretty well today, Doug. How about yourself? Todd, you can forget about the first eight episodes of this show. We can just forget all about them? Throw them in the garbage. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've already forgotten them. Good, excellent. Well, <laughs> I didn't mean literally, but but no. <laughs> One of the things I mentioned at the end of the most recent episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man is that uh, ever since I was kind of pushing this concept for a show out there, there was one movie that people wanted me to talk about. And that movie is being discussed on this very episode. I like how you, you built up the anticipation instead of like just blowing your load right off the bat. That's the thing. Look, I'm, a, I'm a, an older gentleman at this point, and I know not to blow my load right off the bat. You've got to start. <laughs> You've got to start. You, you, know, you start with First Dog, where Eric, Robert play, Eric Roberts plays the president of the United States. And you'll even, before you get to this episode, get to a David Dakota-directed film that we covered on the previous episode, which was what, that, what was that again? The uh, Doc Holliday's Revenge. Yes. Which was unwatchable garbage. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. But before, so before the, the, you get to the main course, which is today, you had that kind of appetizer set up. But forget about the appetizer, because by the time you get to the main course, you forget about the appetizer. I do. I have a very bad short-term memory. So, so, so we're at the main course now. It's all downhill. Oh, right? I would figure. Yeah, no, this is it. This is our jumping the shark moment here on Air Our, our high watermark. Exactly. And uh, we can't jump into the main course alone. We need to bring someone with us. So who, who did you wrangle for that? <laughs> I like how you're pretending like you don't already know. It's great. <laughs> you really are. It is a back and forth like that. Uh, no, our guest today on the show is a, a producer, a film programmer who has worked with the Toronto International Film Festival, which I'm actually going to be attending in a few weeks, the Toronto After Dark Film Festival and Fantastic Fest, which is also coming up soon. Uh, he's worked with Astron 6, and last year I saw him actually introduce the movie Big Game at TIFF, and uh, I couldn't think of a better person to join us to talk about these two internationally renowned classic films. Welcome to the show, Peter Kaplowski. Glad to be here, guys. We're glad to have you here. Really, really, it's good to have someone with some expertise when it comes to the movies that we're covering today. Honestly, and I don't want to disparage the people who have guested on this show so far, but they've all been rubes. They've all been just <laughs> just the the lowest of the low. And I mean, I I love them to death, but still, just awful garbage people. <laughs> <laughs> So it's good. It's good that we're... this is just your standard intro, right? Like, you know, <laughs> Absolutely, next week it'll be the same. Oh, I'll next week! The... <laughs> next week we have one of my most anticipated guests. <laughs> that everyone before that will be garbage, but today they're all garbage. You're the exception, and we're going to have a lot of fun, hopefully, talking about two really interesting movies, which I won't name yet, but I will name in just a few minutes. Certainly you can just look at the title of the episode if you want to spoil yourself on that. But two very similar movies and two 
uh, or at least one of them, quite renowned, quite well, hmm, I was going to say loved, but that's not really the right word. Uh, Peter, what's your life experience with Eric Roberts? Um, you know what? I, I, uh, I, before coming on here, I actually just hopped on IMDb and went through his like <laughs> absurdly long list of uh, credits, and I realized I haven't seen that many. of. I mean, I've seen Runaway Twain, uh, Best of the Best, One and Two, um, Dead or Alive. <laughs> but and then I'm like, wait, what? Like the the only stat like films that I would say that are re- remotely respectable is like The Dark Knight and Wrong Cops and Runaway Train, which I just said. But, but um, those are the only ones that I'm like, and everything else is just like in the last couple of years, it's just the sea of DTV stuff. I remember watching The Dark Knight and going like, hey, Eric Roberts, but now I'm going, why did I say that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> why was he in my mind? Like, what film before that was like, other than, I guess, Runaway Train, like, was, <laughs> and maybe the best of the best movies. I do remember him from those. Of course. But, uh, yeah, anyway. But uh, Peter, I, I guess my experience is, is, I've seen some of the highlights, but I guess... Not as deep as you guys have been going. Well, I mean, there's so much. We've just been talking about movies just then, but there's so much television. And, of course, his radio show, which, oh, gosh, boy, that's something that we're going to talk about. I am not aware of his radio show. Neither were we until three episodes into this podcast about him. (laughs) (laughs) But it is something that does exist. And, of course, his Twitter feed. (laughs) Is it radio um, or is it like a podcast? I mean, I guess it's both these days. We'll talk about it in just a moment. (laughs) Okay. But, I mean, you are a film programmer, so what is stopping you from programming all of these certainly wonderful, maybe low-budget, Eric Roberts films? You know what? I'm going to hop on right now and just remind myself and see if any of these actually come our way at Toronto After Dark. Uh, and what I might have said about them, mm. but I don't. I don't. Um, I went through this the other day, and I wasn't really remembering. Uh, if I don't think any, like, like we definitely didn't get sent Halloween Puppy. They did, <laughs> they were not. It's not a film. You know what though? I would believe that if I hopped onto the uh, the TIFF program, I bet like something like Talking Cat maybe got sent to TIFF Kids or something. I could see that. I could totally see that happening. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, really low budget children's films that get submitted to the Toronto Film Festival that I see uh, that I'm just like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what a joy it must be to spend the time to watch a lot of these movies. <laughs> oh <laughs> only man! To, I only mean, to think afterwards, what a waste! I'm a masochist <laughs> like that. Like I. I relish uh, the opportunity to see some of these movies that uh, that you know sometimes never come out. Like mm-hmm. just <laughs> like they send in a rough cut, and then when they don't get, uh, I guess the response they're hoping for, I, I feel like some of these films probably just don't even get made. They <laughs> just give up. That's, well, it means that within your brain is locked so many unique experiences, so many unique films that no one else, except for maybe a very, very small group of people, will ever get to experience, and that's pretty great for you. Yeah, what what happens a lot is that I'll I'll watch a film and I'll just want to be like you. To I want to talk to the filmmaker and say you won't believe how many films with the exact. It's same story. Everything is. The, it's the thousand. It's the the monkeys on the typewriters, man. Like there's mm-hmm. just so many people making stuff that I'm just watching the same, the Arist, uh, Aristotelian story, the, the Socratic stories. That you know, the the, the the there's only twelve stories in the world. Like it's true, man. 
But it's, after you watch 800 submissions, you're just like, yep, uh, everybody's telling the same story over and over again. It's strange that you mentioned telling the same story over and over again. Because today, on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, we're going to be covering two movies that involve talking animals. Yeah. And in those movies, the animals are in both movies, voiced by Eric Roberts, at least at one point. Uh, that said, the stories themselves are not exactly the same, as we'll get into in just a little bit. But before we get into those movies, we of course have to talk about the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. Oh, the Roberts Report, where all of the latest juice when it comes to Eric Roberts is really just released out on the world. Uh, it has been, in the last two weeks, not the busiest time in the Eric Roberts-verse, but there have been uh, these slim pickings that I've collected for everyone to discuss. First of all, and this is huge news, this is just, Todd, is this huge news? It's pretty big news. It's pretty big, and it does require some of me inferring something that's almost certainly not true, but it's still big news. <laughs> the thing is, recently, you know that show Game of Thrones? You know that show? That, that, yeah, that yeah. small little HBO production? Yeah. Game yeah. of Thrones. A lot of people watch this Game of Thrones show, and uh, recently it was announced. It's Hobbits, right? It's like yeah, I think show. so. <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think it is. I think it involves them throwing a glaive around. Okay. And there's a, a, <laughs> I think there's a Cyclops character. But anyway, so uh, like last week on, uh, on his Twitter feed, Max von Sydow announced that he will be joining the cast of Game of Thrones. Now, that's terrific because we all love Max von Sydow. What was interesting about this announcement that was made through his Twitter feed, maybe either from him but almost certainly through a handler or something, he wrote, proud to be joining... The house, in quotation marks. And then he put a little smiley face in there because, you know, he's Max von Sydow. But what was interesting about this message is that he tagged some people in it. And the people he tagged included <laughs> a list of people who I don't know who they are because I don't watch Game of Thrones. But this was Sophie Turner, Maisie Williams, and a couple other people whose names I can't pronounce. But they're all on Game of Thrones. Yeah. But the really fascinating thing, and certainly you're wondering why I've brought any of this up. The other person he tagged was Eric Roberts. <laughs> Either two things. There's three possibilities. Either Eric Roberts is on this show and uh-huh. going to be joining the cast. Either they were both up for the same part. Oh. And Max Ponsado <laughs> was rubbing it in his face. Or they're merely friends and he's just, this is how he shares his news. Well, I just, that's interesting. I, I should have went back to, into his Twitter feed to see if he followed it up with one that just says, fuck you, Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy watching me on next season of Game of Thrones. But yeah, no, there is, there is uh, I'm, I have to admit that maybe I'm jumping the gun a little <laughs> on the fact that almost, I would have to say, certainly Eric Roberts will be joining the cast of Game of Thrones. You well, heard it here first. <laughs> Were the other names that you can't pronounce Game of Thrones actors? Yes, I'm pretty sure that they were. Maybe they're doing a house reboot with with the cast (laughs) of Game of Thrones. (laughs) And Eric Roberts is the new house. (laughs) That is, uh, hey, it's fully possible. He does have that kind of rugged look, a Hugh Laurie-ish look, I think, (laughs) that maybe would play really well... uh, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not saying for sure, even though I just said for sure just a minute ago that he's joining the cast of Game of Thrones. But I have to say, 
in terms of the most exciting Eric Roberts news of the last two weeks, that has to be it. This is compelling evidence. It's compelling. I have to say. And when, when it turns out to be true, uh, I want everyone who's listening to – I mean, I just want – you don't have to, like, give me a pat on the back because obviously that would be very difficult. But just send me an email or send me a private message or something just saying, you were right. <laughs> you were right. Uh, I do want to mention briefly that uh, the short film Dead Saturday, which we covered a couple episodes ago on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man because we talked to the director and writer, it did have its uh, premiere at the Sidewalk Film Festival in Alabama on August 29th. We just want to give a quick shout-out and congrats to Ben Stark and Jeremy Burgess. Uh, and if you want to, please pop over to the Wonder Mill Facebook page to check out any other upcoming screenings. Uh, I also want to give a quick speedball watch. Uh, Todd, remember speedball? Speedball. No, you don't remember it because it's supposed to be called hashtag. Oh, yes, that's mm. right. I, you forgot the hashtag threw me completely off. I know, it would. Uh, I know that you might not know what we're talking about here, Peter, but Eric Roberts was signed on to star in a movie called Hashtag Speedball about it was The Fast and the <laughs> Furious meets Paintball, which, uh, which I mean, I, I do think that that. It was probably very likely that it would have shown up on uh, probably at the Toronto International Film Festival next year. But unfortunately, all of their funding was pulled. Oh. Mm, and, and this was after crowdfunding. But uh, I... Oh, no. <laughs> so they're, my understanding is that they're no longer going to make that movie. However, this is Speedball. Sorry, hashtag Speedball Watch. And I do have to say, Speedball still listed on Eric Roberts' IMDb page, so it might still happen who knows i've never seen an imdb page be wrong before so <laughs> i'm just confused by the the pitch fast and the furious meets paintball because i mean is it like an undercover cop in a paintball league like i mean that's <laughs> like what's the criminal activity peter you were the one who said that everyone is making the same story again yeah, it's true. It's true. so so undercover cop <laughs> infiltrating an underground paintball ring that sounds like a very that, that is a lot of potential actually yeah i do want to see this movie i'm gonna maybe i'll contact them and see if they need a producer <laughs> todd have you ever heard of the tv show suits i have Never what's seen it about episode. oh okay yeah I, i've got a vague idea uh, about a guy who uh, is, is faking being a lawyer. Is that what it's about? I, I'm pretty sure that's it. Well, Suits is notable, A, because we don't know anything about it, but B, because Eric Roberts has been on the show Suits. And in fact, you may recall a couple episodes ago that when the when Eric Roberts came for his two days of filming Dead Saturday, he was coming from Toronto from shooting an episode of Suits. Well, his episodes have been airing recently. In fact, uh, just on the 19th of August, just a couple weeks ago, he was on an episode of Suits. And that is all the information I can provide for you right now. <laughs> they, shoot, they shoot some of Suits in, uh, TIFF, in the TIFF building. Really? Yeah, they have at, at some point. I don't know if the Eric Roberts episodes are here, though. We would have might have. We would have heard about it. They would have had to shut down the street. Yeah, I would think so, right? Surrounding areas. And boy, wouldn't it be funny for you to to walk out of this closet right now and bump right into Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Roberts, I was just talking about you. <laughs> well, that if you are a fan of Eric Roberts, which I goddamn you would have to be if you're listening to this show. Yeah, then, 20 uh, minutes yeah, in, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, you got to check out this, this show, Suits, because uh, as you, of course, already know, Todd and I will have to watch every episode of Suits that includes Eric Roberts because it's part of the mandate of the show that we watch everything that Eric Roberts has ever done, no matter how long it takes or how frustrated our wives get with us. 
<laughs> which is which has been a increasingly major <laughs> problem in my life over the last couple of weeks. <clears throat> One more huge piece of Eric Roberts news. This is just broke. Just broke today. Just something I pulled off the wire, so to speak. Eric Roberts is going to be in another music video. That's nice. right. Of course, we already know that he's going to be in an upcoming Chris Cornell video for some reason. And was also in Bet- Bitch Better Have My Money, the Rihanna video with Mads Mikkelsen just recently as well. But he's also going to be in a music video called You Knew That, where he portrays a knife thrower from a traveling <laughs> circus. The video was shot for the song by the famous Russian pop singer Geneva. Uh, I think we all know Geneva's work. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) In the video, Eric's character accidentally kills his beloved girlfriend, who was also his assistant. An evil and envious dwarf plans this unfortunate turn of events. Todd, are you a fan of Geneva? Are you looking forward to this video? I have her on every playlist on my phone. Mm, I don't um, require sarcasm here. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, I mean, the the premise alone, is uh, it sounds intriguing. It might be another one of those videos that I watch with the sound off. Interesting. Well, you don't know that. Hey, I'm such a big fan that last year I went to the Geneva Convention. Huh. Peter. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I know you were really hoping that I'd go to that for that one. Peter, are you looking forward to this? Are you a fan of Eric Roberts starring music videos? There's quite a few, by the way. There's a notably two different Killers videos, including Mr. Brightside, which, again, at some point on the show, we're going to have to cover all these music videos. Oh, you're are you a fan of going mu- that deep, huh? Oh, we're reviewing the music videos. Reviewing? Well, not really reviewing. <laughs> But certainly talking about in some ridiculous detail. But yes, absolutely. Got to cover everything that Eric Roberts has ever done to the point of ridiculousness. Great. Do you like music videos? Yeah. I mean, I don't actually keep up with them that often. But uh, sure, yeah. I like this music video. Did you see the Bitch Better Have My Money music video? I haven't. I haven't. It was was a very adult music video, as I'm sure Todd will confirm, because there were some butts in it. Right, Todd? Yeah, there were a few butts. And there were some boobs in it. And Mads Mikkelsen was in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's one of those music videos that you really got to go out of your way to see. Finally, on the Roberts Report, you can tell that there's been some downtime for Eric Roberts lately because he has appeared on the latest episode of his radio show with his wife, Encounters, with Eric and Eliza Roberts. And uh, you, if you're longtime listeners of the show, will, of course, remember the episode of this podcast where we suddenly realized that Eric Roberts had a radio show. Uh, and as you wondered about just a few minutes ago, Peter, this is a, it is a radio show, but it's also broadcast, I think, on one of, I don't know how it works, actually, but it's actually broadcast via video as well. So, uh, and it is archived, so I'm sure it actually is available through an RSS feed via like a podcast type style. But it's a video style radio show so you can watch them record it yeah what are they called like radio on tv i think is what they that sounds like something that's real (laughs) (laughs) so that's probably it but it's called encounters with eric and eliza roberts and as again is the mandate of the show i decided to sit down and watch the latest episode on my computer and this episode features eric and eliza roberts of course and their guests this week very exciting were lucas and sam sam who were two little kids (laughs) Like three-year-olds. And 
I, I didn't really get through all of it, but the first 20 minutes really just involved asking these kids if they wanted juice or not. Um, <laughs> but they, like, you almost want, like, are they babysitting? And it's like we have to do our show, but... I swear that exact thought crossed my mind <laughs> while I was watching it, where it's like, oh, shoot, we have to do the radio show. These kids into the studio. I mean, and, like, it starts with the video with, like, Eric literally standing behind the kids and, like, putting his hand on one of their heads so when... Uh, his wife introduced the kid that he would know to speak. So he's stuck <laughs> grabbing his skull to say, speak. <laughs> Encounters. He's have the, 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 the Roberts family, obviously close with Lucas and Sam Sam. Uh, please go out of your way to check out the latest episode of Encounters with Eric and Eliza Roberts. We, again, of course, will watch and listen to every episode of that, but we'll put that off for a little bit later. <laughs> Maybe not next week. We got some stuff to cover first. <laughs> Uh, latest uh, One of the latest additions to the IMDb page of Eric Roberts is the movie Fair Chase 2016. It's about a group of men who go on a hunting trip, but that is enough news for the Roberts Report this week. We have to take our first break because we need to get back here to talk about our movies this week. This time, episode 9 of the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast, we will be talking about a Halloween puppy. We will be talking about a talking cat. A talking cat? What? A talking cat? <laughs> yeah, it's hard because it's got that exclamation point that comes first, and that just throws me every single time. But no, a Halloween puppy and a talking cat, two David Dakota movies. This is going to be one to remember, folks, so we'll get right into it when we return. Dreams are nothing more than wishes, and a wish is just a dream you wish to come true. So very lucky Just to have some company To share a cup of tea with me I'd take my puppy everywhere Can I have a Halloween movie night? I like Halloween. I like seeing little kids scream. Why'd you want to watch another movie tonight? I just want to talk about the future, our future. I'm happy. It's like some medieval witch's spellbook. Maybe we could do a spell together. What's that? Why are you looking at me like that? Well, it came from somewhere. Linda, can you hear me? I'm a puppy? Oh! What? Please wake me up. Please wake me up. It's a spell of transfiguration. And you had the misfortune of tampering with it on Halloween. Please, just tell me you can turn me back. You're telling me we turned my mom's boyfriend into a Halloween puppy. I'm gonna be a dog forever, aren't I? A Halloween puppy from 2012. Really not to, to laugh <laughs> He's going to be a puppy forever, isn't he? 
<laughs> a Halloween puppy, a.k.a. The Great Halloween Puppy Adventure, a.k.a. Magic Puppy, directed by David Dakota, starring, of course, one Mr. Eric Roberts, but also Christine DeBell, uh, and Susan Olsen from The Brady Bunch is also in this movie for some reason. Plot is a boy accidentally turns his mom's boyfriend into a dog. And uh, that's pretty much all the information IMDb has to provide for us. I'm going to start with our guest, Peter. Peter, what did you think of 2012's A Halloween Puppy? Well, I uh, I saw Talking Cat first, and then, mm. you know, after seeing that film, decided to dive back and see uh, what had come before it uh, when I learned about A Halloween Puppy. Got to say, this is the stronger of the two films. Uh, mm. it, it feels more cohesive. Arguably more stuff happens. Um I think the performances are slightly better. It's nice to actually see Eric Roberts in the film, um, but it's bizarre. And I, I said before this thing started that I think this is the more disturbing of the movies, mm. and it, it really boils down to this sequence. Um, I mean, the basic premise is that Eric Roberts is a boring boyfriend to Kristen DeBell, and... Uh, after uh, after uh, the, her, Kristen DeBell's son is playing around with his with this girl that he likes, um, but they're just have sort of a platonic friendship uh, with like a uh, with the Necronomicon, isn't it? Or, or the Necrom Necro <laughs> he calls it the Necronicon. The Necronicon. Yeah. Um, they accidentally cast a spell uh, that is a and uh, that is it's the Cladu uh, Narada Necto Verada Necto uh, spell from. Um, uh, the day the Earth stood still, and, and Army of Darkness, still, right? <laughs> and uh, and then and Eric Roberts finishes it by saying "Nido," <laughs> which I don't understand why it works. Then that's not it's not the word, but okay. So the spell happens, and he turns into a dog, and then and then uh, they don't, you know, then they accidentally take the dog, well, not accidentally, but they take the dog with them on a vacation <laughs> because the. They don't know what to do with the dog. But the, what, what's disturbing is there's a sequence where Kristen DeBell is just rubbing this dog <laughs> for like five minutes. And Eric Roberts' performance is like, like this is in, any, in another context, this is pretty much a sex scene in the middle of the movie where he is just having the most <laughs> orgasmic reaction. And even Kristen DeBell is making these O faces during the sequence that I feel, I mean, I know she's just playing with a dog, but it just, <laughs> like, if we played that set, that sequence on, uh, on the on the radio, or like on this podcast, like it would it would sound like a sex scene, like it is a full on, <laughs> like just ooh oh yeah right there yeah some more lower like it's just <laughs> lower Jesus. <laughs> What's great is that they also uh, because these movies run very short during the closing credits, which tend to run like seven minutes long, yeah. they show more footage of it this time, of course, without the orgasmic Eric Roberts noises over it. <laughs> It is a very cute dog, and that's one of the things that the a Halloween puppy really uh, has over <laughs> a talking cat, is that the dog, this bulldog that uh, is featured in the movie, is pretty adorable to look at if you're the kind of person who likes that kind of dog. Yeah. Uh, it, is, it is a cute dog, and, and um, it's not, I mean, in this one, because it's an internal voice, mm. there's no need to add any kind of digital trickery to the dog's <laughs> mouth. We can just assume this is some kind of internal monologue. I want to know though, like, about like the magic. It's I, I try. I, I was imagining 
you know, the movie doesn't have the budget for a transformation sequence, but I like, <laughs> I just started to imagine like a version of this film if they actually had a full blown American <laughs> werewolf in London <laughs> transformation scene where Eric Roberts is like writhing and banging on that couch. I'm burning up! <laughs> <laughs> horrifically like his body compressing (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no sadly I was hoping actually and that sounds way better than what I was hoping but I was hoping that we'd get one of those Snoop Dogg transformation (laughs) (laughs) those morphs into the dog as cheap as possible there are some some special effects, some magic effects in the movie, uh, or which I should say there's one magic effect that's used a couple of times where a circular Piece, yellow bit of magic uh, does come out of someone's hand, so uh, I'm glad that they saved their budget for that and did not have to do any kind of mouth manipulation because that can go wrong so easily, as we'll find out in just a little bit. Todd, what did you think of a Halloween puppy? Uh, it was a pretty bizarre experience. I, I was thinking the same thing about the uh, the the makeout slash rubdown session between uh, the guy and his or uh, the dog and his girlfriend. Basically, it was just so bizarre, and that was like the one thing that I kind of got hung up on was that once I saw that sequence, like the whole movie kind of shifted for me. Like it started out pretty innocent, and from that point on, it was just kind of perverted. So yeah, it's uh, it, it starts out innocently enough, and uh, if you have a uh, a perverted mindset, it, it's going to end in a completely different way than it began. But I, I would like to say that on Internet Movie Database, they claim, or someone claims, that they had a million dollar budget for this thing. No, <laughs> no, I just maybe for like the five kids movies that he made that year all together. I could so oh, even then, man. That's a bit of a stretch if they all use the same fucking locations. Um, Peter, you watch a lot of genre films, both for your programming and probably in your private life as well. What do you think of David Dakota as a director? Um, well, I really like that he's found this niche. I mean, I like that he makes these. I like. I enjoy the fact that that thirteen thirteen mm-hmm. series exists, where he makes these films uh, that are. They're advertised as horror movies for women, but they're actually sort of queer uh, horror movies where mm-hmm. where where he it, it, they're not so different from a you know a typical schlocky horror film except instead of the women getting skimpy, it's the dudes. And I actually think that's really great, and it's like yeah. such a neat niche to develop. Um, but I mean, he he made some solid like he made a Puppet Master film, which is which mm-hmm. is pretty solid. He did Ticks, right? Oh, I, did he do ticks? Did he do ticks, or is it another? No, no he, he did a leech one. He did a leech one. I don't What's the? Uh, he did a he did a creature feature one though. That's pretty solid. What's he had creepazoids back in the eighties. Yeah, there's another that's one that I, well. I was I was I that I got confused in my head as t- as ticks, which is a um, <laughs> like a leeches or something. Oh, maybe. But that sounds that sounds familiar. Um, I mean, he's done so many. I mean, his work. Like, we we joked on the last episode that he's sort of like the Eric Roberts of directors right now because he just makes so much and so quickly. Um, though I would say, since his late '80s, even up to mid '90s heyday, the quality because of the speed he's making these, the quality of them has gotten a little bit iffy. Oh, very <laughs> more than a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but I I I like the idea that he still combines sort of like. Visible actors, like actors that people would recognize, whether they they be from from genre films or not, and tries to get a few recognizable names and 
still you can see where his interests lie in regards to, you know, especially with the Halloween puppy where there's a few references to classic horror and because one of the, the characters in it is a bit of a horror nut. And you can see that, the, you know, his enjoyment of those genres is still something he tries to work into his movies. And, and I also have to say, both of these movies still better than Doc Holliday's Revenge, which we covered on the, the previous show, which has Tom Berenger. You would not believe how bored he looks in that movie. <laughs> he shot against the green screen and is just... It, I, I, everyone go back to that episode and listen to us really go on and on about that particular movie. But here in A Halloween Puppy, we do have a few recognizable names outside of Eric Roberts. Kristen DeBell, uh, not someone I had a lot of experience with myself. Uh, she was in some films in the 70s and was a, uh, I think, a Playboy Playmate at that time. Um, and Susan Olsen, of course, from The Brady Bunch. But what I really wanted to focus on just for a second is kind of the supporting cast, the kids in this movie. And really, the kids in both of the movies we're going to talk about today. Because one of the weird things I find about these movies, these family movies directed by David Dakota, is that the kids seem to be way too old. And I don't mean that necessarily that they're... 30-year-olds playing high school students. It's just that these are high school students, or they're supposed to be high school students in the movie, but they really shouldn't be. <laughs> they're all acting like they're like 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. D- isn't that... Does anyone else find that a little bit strange? How about you, Peter? Did you, didn't it seem like these characters should have all been like 13? Uh, definitely in, in A Talking Cat. I feel like in this one, um, Adam, the uh, the guy, the Halloween junkie, he, he definitely yeah. feels way... Like his character should be a lot younger. Though his... his um, Molly, the girl, I actually thought she was like kind of a decent actress, and she has like this weird kind of I'm kind of bored to be here vibe <laughs> that like would be perfect in some kind of mumble movie. And um, <laughs> I, I actually checked her credits to see if anyone um, has used her, but it's all it's all Dakota stuff. <laughs> Which is funny because the guy, and sorry, I forgot his name, the the Halloween nut guy, he's gone on to do a ton of work. Yeah, I'm just looking at him right now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, tons. He's in the Carrie Diaries. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's uh, he's he's and and it seems like you know pretty substantive roles as well. I thought he did an okay job in this movie. I mean, it, they're they're all thankless roles because everyone has to play so naive and so kind of uh, light and silly. The, the his character where he doesn't have any indication at all that this uh, friend of his is incredibly into him. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't seem like a hormonal 16 or 17 year old guy again it does come off well, like that's a, a problem like a in, in both of these movies and in the second movie yeah. it, it's a different kind of problem but um <laughs> it's a swimming lesson style <laughs> pro- problem <laughs> uh one thing we do have to talk about is the location of this movie uh it uh <laughs> most of it takes place in a very lovely house uh yes. actually you know what lovely might be the wrong word it's a very eccentric house that is also used as the main location for a talking cat. Um, I don't know offhand if this house was made available to David Dakota because he owns it or or what, but uh, he certainly does seem to be very fond of it. But it's very distinctive. It's got that spiral staircase. It's got cars parked in it. <laughs> I, I don't think he owns it. Um, I do remember someone... When I was going down the Talking Cat well, digging up a uh, like, there's a real estate like it's on the market. Like you can live ah, and uh, you can live <laughs> you can live in the Talking Cat house. Apparently, Todd, would you like to live in this house that was featured in both of these films? Uh, no, I think I'll pass on that one. 
No, it looks even, a little even, even the, uh, the the kitsch value of living in the talking cat house, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a little too expansive for my taste. Oh, boy, look at you. Pretty snobby when it comes to expensiveness. <laughs> I did like that the beginning of uh, A Halloween Puppy, they explain, because Kristen DeBell's character, Linda, she's not supposed to be too well off. She's like a caterer, uh, and... She, uh, am I getting that right or am I confusing that with No, the yeah, movie? she's a caterer in the other one. She's a veterinarian. Veterinarian, that's right here. But she's not supposed to be too well off. It's just that she she mentions that she got a really good deal on it and they're renting it or something like that. So there's an explanation why. (laughs) Because, you know, everyone who comes into the house are are always like, wow, nice place you got here. Though all I can think of it is like, this house is so fucking weird. (laughs) At least in in A Talking Cat, the explanation that this uh, tech wizard guy ended up buying this crazy house makes a little more sense. Here it's just a bizarre house um but uh but let's let's talk just briefly about eric roberts in the movie as you mentioned before peter eric roberts gets a lot more screen time by which i mean some (laughs) in this movie compared to what he has in a talking cat we uh we get introduced to his character like you mentioned he's kind of a boring not a sad sack but someone who's kind of uh in a rut kind of set in his ways and then about a half hour into the movie he gets turned into a bulldog what did you think of him before the transformation? And what did you think of his voiceover performance? I'm going to start with you on this one, Todd. What did you think of Eric Roberts in A Halloween Puppy? You know, it's funny. He, his, his live-action performances kind of bookend the movie again, which in a mm-hmm. lot of these like, smaller-budgeted films, that seems to be how it works. He shows up at the, the beginning and then kind of piddles around until the end. Uh, but there is a big difference between the... Uh, the, the live action stuff and the voiceover work, which sounds often like it's recorded in an empty warehouse, and maybe he's a, a little inebriated when he's doing it. Because now, now it sounds a little bizarre, uh, especially a, a, a talking cat more so than this. Yeah, my, I would actually say that, especially if you're the, or you were one to watch a talking cat first, which I think a lot of people probably would have that the sound quality of his voiceover in a Halloween puppy is way, way improved comparatively. Yeah. And his performance is a little bit more enthusiastic. I mean, it's a different character, but... But it seems like a lot more enthusiastic, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just he, from, one of them seems like a performance, and I don't know about in a Talking Cat. I do have some insider information, actually. Uh, oh, about a Talking Cat? Yeah. Uh, I well, know maybe someone, we shouldn't... I have a friend uh, who's a cinematographer <laughs> in L.A., and because I had been talking about this film, she actually did run into someone who um, was involved with the Talking Cat production. And according to them, the dialogue was recorded in an afternoon, like in Eric Roberts' bathroom. They, there's the IMDb trivia on it uh, currently. Uh, it, it quotes David Dakota himself from uh, a, a podcast oh, okay. talking about the movie. And it mentions, oh, it says okay. that... I see it now. Yeah, it, that, yeah, that's what it says and in 15 minutes, which might be an exaggeration or not, but that's actually semi-believable. It seems like it was just like over to his house, record all of this, and then we can say we have Eric Roberts as the voice of the talking cat. But we will get to that. Just sticking with you for a second, Todd, did you find that his performance as a dog was 
I mean, Eric Roberts has done a lot of voiceover work. He even I just watched uh, one of the Justice League Unlimited episodes he did a couple of days ago. I mean, he has chops when it comes to doing voice work. What did you think of his performance as the Halloween puppy? Uh, you know, I liked him in the Justice League stuff. I think that he does actually a really good job in those. But this, I don't know. I don't know if it was rushed or... He, oh, just, it was he just didn't give a shit, but you know, it it was cute for what it was. But overall, it was I found it more obnoxious. But maybe that's just because I'm not a dog guy. Hmm, that's an interesting little piece of information you've just let out on us. <laughs> so, are you saying that you enjoy cats more than dogs? Uh, you could say that, yeah. But and I'm just going to throw this out there: Did you still like a Halloween puppy more than you liked a talking cat? Uh, I did not. I, I, the, how, the, the talking cat it, it, with its god awful special effects it, it has uh, more of an appeal for me for some reason maybe it is the cat compared to the dog but I, I find myself drifting more when I was watching a Halloween puppy than I did a talking cat which I, I guess I have seen uh, three times now but Todd I'm a pathetic married man and I own three cats and a dog right now in my apartment very small apartment has way too many animals in it so I think I have a pretty good balance in terms of these kind of animals but you can't tell me that this dog is less cute than that cat which I thought the cat in a talking cat was just such a regular boring looking cat which they had to replace for the cover yeah. yeah, well, they replaced they replaced the Halloween As puppy well. a couple of times. <laughs> they have a couple different dogs in the different puppies. No, no, it, you know, it, it, it wasn't was it a puppy? Yeah, that's the. the yes. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I, I, let me let me just tell you, it, it's not. I, I'm not a dog guy, so the cuteness factor did not weigh into this at all. This really just makes me reevaluate this entire podcast. Peter, I'm a cat guy. Peter. Eric Roberts' performance in this movie, you mentioned that he seemed a little bit more enthusiastic in this one, but what did you think of his live-action performance? I loved it. I loved when he, uh, and I couldn't tell if it was like a continuity thing or, or if they were like, <laughs> no, keep licking those donuts. <laughs> At the beginning of the movie, he drops off donuts, and I'm like, here's the deal breaker with this guy as a boyfriend. Like, he brings donuts, but then he keeps opening the box and licking, like, like putting his fingers on the donuts licking them and then going for another and I, and I couldn't figure out if it's like well they, they shot it in two takes and did it again let's just have it do it twice it's so weird that he does it twice um, they, they paid him in donuts <laughs> what was the guy what's the guy supposed to do but I know I liked his live action stuff I thought I thought um, I thought I thought he was kind of adorable as this uh, as this kind of dopey boyfriend uh, and there's a line he has towards is it, I think it might be when he's back into a, a human and he just says, Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, oh, he's actually, it, it actually appeared uh, that he was having fun shooting this mm-hmm. little movie. Like, mm-hmm. he was actually kind of having a decent time. Where when we get to Talking Cat, it really sounds like he's at the bottom of a bender. <laughs> Todd, I have a line from um, A Halloween Puppy where Eric Roberts' character says, I appreciate you taking the bull by the horns, but I hope my horns do more than honk. <laughs> what does that line mean? I have no idea. I, I, <laughs> All right, just making sure. It, it stuck with me. I, yeah, I've actually got that written down in my notes because I have no idea what that means. 
<laughs> I also really enjoyed some of the day for night photography yeah. where they just added a blue filter <laughs> so everyone looks like they're just swimming in this blue landscape. It's uh yeah, it's quite yeah. something. Uh fi- final question over to you Peter. This movie is also known not just as a Halloween puppy but also as the Great Halloween Puppy Adventure Adventure and Magic Puppy. Now A, why do you think that it has three titles and B, which of the three titles do you most prefer? Uh, well, I mean, this happens to straight-to-video stuff all the time. Oh, yes. I mean, if you look at, <laughs> uh, like, I'm a big fan of the PM Entertainment catalog, and if you look at some of their kids' movies, they've got stuff like Ninja Kids, which is also known as Magic Kids. <laughs> and I find it interesting how magic seems to be like a, uh, like a, like this adjective they can just throw on stuff, even if it, like, there's even, there's, I've seen a ghost dog film that was also, it was ghost dog, magic dog, and maybe it has to do with... Um, considerations of markets where you know, mm-hmm. some markets uh, magic is we don't want to emphasize the magic component because that might be uh, something that's like not you know not approved of in certain international markets and so we'll have to go with uh, and then Halloween has you know a certain sellability in terms of seasonal and then I guess with adventure maybe that was just a, a ditch attempt to go like maybe we should try to imply that there's like like an adventure in this movie <laughs> Is there an adventure? No, in the movie? They don't go. They, no. I mean, unless we can absolutely the, not the, the long car ride with all the improvised ad libbing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, there is a lengthy car ride oh, with there, a bunch of I mean, obviously there is, there improvised. There is the Halloween dog. part where they go, where they actually go into a haunted house, which has nothing to do with the dog. I mean, they have to get the book to to turn him back into a human, but he doesn't go on the adventure. That is one sad uh, haunted house yeah. movie. <laughs> but which of these three titles? Is your problem? Um, I, you know what? Um, I think I might go with magic. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, Halloween makes sense because it's it definitely has to do with a lot of. No, ha- I think the only reason I would like magic is because then it wouldn't re- it would be a, a more nonsensical title because there's nothing <laughs> magical about the dog other than <laughs> it used to be a human being. <laughs> I will say, if this movie was released in 2014 instead of 2012, it absolutely would have been called a Halloween puppy exclamation point yes. question mark. Yeah. They haven't come up point. with that strategy yet. <laughs> that that which which uh, when they took hold of it, they just went <laughs> wild with it. I believe I believe there's a talking pony out there as oh, well. Oh man, if you watch the talking pony uh, trailer, and it explicably uses. Uh, the uh, segments of the Speed Racer soundtrack in the trailer, which is bizarre because all the other trailers use public domain stuff, but they're they're yeah. using Michael Giacchini's Speed Racer score throughout the trailer. I can't, t- I can't tell you how dis- disappointing it is to see Henry Manfredini's name in the credits of both of these movies. Uh, of course, the composer of the Friday the Thirteenth theme song and uh, all of the music for a lot of that series, but and a uh, lot of David Dakota films. Yes, and for a lot of David Dakota movies, usually paired with some sort of public domain library or... I'm trying uh, to think of what he yeah. must have composed on this movie because, I mean, I guess, actually, this, no, I mean, Talking Cat is a lot of public domain stuff, but this no. one does seem to have, like, I guess he was responsible for the dog barks in the opening credits. <laughs> Perhaps so. We usually finish up by saying whether we believe the movie in question either confirms or denies the theory of this podcast, which is that Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Let's start with you, Peter. Does this movie say yes 
Eric Roberts is the fucking man, or is he going to have to apologize for this? No, he's the fucking man. Uh, I think he is because uh, of uh, that line I said. I think when he said excellent, uh, I feel like that is the reason he got cast in, in Inherent Vice. <laughs> <laughs> PJ saw that and was like, ooh, it's a good line reading, Eric. <laughs> if this man can make a talking dog seem interesting. <laughs> um, Todd, fucking man, yes or no? Uh, I would I would say barely yes, because this one was painful for me to get through. I, I would rather watch Doc Holliday's Revenge again. That is a very interesting statement to hear because I would rather watch Halloween Puppy again. <laughs> I, I mean, th- I think it has to be a really strong consideration that this is a children's movie. It's a family movie. So the fact that it's boring <laughs> isn't that uh, surprising. That said, uh, there's a lot more better family movies yeah, out there. I, I would uh, hate to be and- the family that sits down and watches this thing. Oh, I would love to be talking to that family <laughs> afterwards and have to explain that dog belly rubbing scene that went on for uh, an uncomfortably long amount of time. Why, why is mom and dad laughing while this is on? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, that is uh, a, uh, what's it called again? A Halloween Puppy from 2012, directed by David Dakota. But if you love David Dakota's works, well, you're in luck because we're going to take a break, and when we come back... We're going to talk about another David Dakota movie. We're going to talk about his masterwork, A Talking Cat, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. And uh, I'm sure we all have a lot to say about that. I mean, you've already given away, Todd, that you enjoy that a lot more than this one. So <laughs> I can't wait, can't wait to let your enthusiasm take a kind of front and center stage there. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that when we return. There are 100 ways to love a cat 100 loving ways Way 1 Keep a tidy house for them 100 loving ways There are 100 ways to love a cat 100 loving ways Way 2 Be sure to clip their claws 100 loving ways There are 100 ways to love a cat 100 loving ways Way 3 Scoop their box daily 100 loving Is that a cat? Four paws, kind of furry, yeah. I think so. Hey, yeah. Did we get a cat? No. Why? Oh, I did see a cat, that one. What does it say? Duffy. Yeah? But there's no address. So, Duffy, what should I do? Wow. You have a really nice house. I like cats. Yeah, he's cool, I guess. Me and my dad were actually thinking about getting a cat. New day to start over. Bill 2.0. You can talk? But only once? I don't make the rules, Phil. There's a cat in here. I know there's a cat in here. It was just talking to me. A talking cat? That's just stupid. That's the best you could come up with. I'm a talking cat. 
but I can only talk to a person once. I look like something that the cat dragged in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it! Keep loose, don't cry against the water! I like you taking things seriously. But you don't have to all the time with me. You both talked to a cat, didn't you? And the cat talked back, didn't it? That's weird. In late 2013, a David Dakota-directed movie took the world by storm, especially when it hit Netflix, and everyone realized how magical a talking cat really was. Uh, it actually has since then really gained a cult reputation based on, well, let's face it, its shoddiness. Uh, the special effects when the cat itself are, is speaking in particular is so horrifically done... <laughs> Where basically a little black hole is been placed over the cat's <laughs> mouth, and it's and even then it's only done like three times in the entire movie. I guess they recognize that maybe it wasn't the most effective way of doing it. Uh, yeah, a talking cat ended up being one of the stranger things to catch the internet's imagination in uh, in 2013 and 2014. In fact, there is a podcast that broke down the movie, I think minute by minute, and examined it. So we can't possibly hope to cover it in that level of detail. But what we can do is focus on the performance of one Eric Roberts, who was lucky enough to provide the voice of the titular talking cat in the movie. The other really notable thing outside of the special effects that allow this cat to come to life is that uh, the voiceover work, as done by Eric Roberts, as we mentioned just a, a few minutes ago before the break, is very shoddily done and it sounds like uh, was it, it literally does sound like it was recorded in a bathroom or at the bottom of a well or i mean certainly not using professional recording equipment so uh a talking cat very notable a lot of people have seen this one uh this is the movie that a lot of people when i said i was going to do an eric roberts podcast they say when are you going to talk about a talking cat here we are todd what do you think about you're, well, we know that you love it, but what do you think about a talking cat? Uh, you know, I have I have an affinity for really shit movies. I love mm. uh, Ice Cream Man. I love They Call Me Bruce. I mean, just the shittiest movies you can think of. I, I chances are I got to I got not to interrupt you there, Todd. But despite what you might think of those two movies, and yeah, I could see how you might not enjoy them to a great extent. The well goes a lot deeper when it comes to really shitty movies than those two. Well, you know, I, I, they're shitty to the point of being entertaining. Yeah, there's a lot of shitty movies. Fair Trust enough. me, I own a lot of Mill Creek Entertainment. Packs, I know you do, and. Uh, and and all that stuff, but there is a there's a certain bizarreness to a talking cat, from the premise to some of the uh, the, the subtext that may or may not be there, to uh, hmm. to to Eric Roberts' really odd performance and in, in, in the, the 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 horrible music. I mean, I could go on and on. I it appeals to me in a way that uh, very few movies do, and it's one that as bad as it is, I, I think I could probably watch it uh, a couple of times a year. Oh my! Is is that the same for you, Peter? Could you watch a Talking Cat a few times? Yeah, probably. I mean, I uh, I have a pretty good mileage for this kind of movie too. And and I want to say that while I think um, Halloween Puppy is, I think a, an objectively just more better and a cohesive movie because of the reasons Todd said that this like the weird. This is a more alien film. Like it just feels that the, the mm. decisions made in this film are a lot weirder and more interesting. 
even though it feels like a much more inept and less cohesive production. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of pleasure to be had in that. I also think it's got the Johnny Whitaker factor, which yes. is, uh, I mean, he's Johnny Whitaker's the fucking man, too. I don't disagree, and I'm, I mean, there's no facetiousness at all here. Johnny Whitaker, who stars, really is the star of A Talking Cat, playing Phil, a uh, recently retired uh, computer genius programmer guy. Uh, he he actually brings a lot of enthusiasm to the role. Johnny Whitaker was a child star, of course, and made many movies in the 50s and 60s. But uh, here, I actually think he does a really good job in a uh, part that could easily be just a cliche from start to finish. He actually seems to bring a little bit of sympathy to that role. Uh, a Talking Cat is a difficult movie to categorize. You know, when I watched it for the first time, I thought about it like, if we, if we watch these two in order, A Halloween Puppy and then A Talking Cat, A Talking Cat feels like a movie that they made in a single day because they had like the set for like an extra day, so they'll just make it really, really quickly, just like the the old Roger Corman movies back in the sixties, where it's just like, oh, we have the sets, let's just make a movie. Uh, and because of that, it has a lot of really strange ideas in it. Like uh, like you said, Peter, objectively, a Halloween puppy is a much better movie. But in some ways, it's a little bit more embarrassing for everyone involved because this one, at least, you can say it's so fucked up, you yeah, gotta see it. Yeah. Um, now. You mentioned, uh, Todd, some subtext in this movie. Now, I need to hear a little bit more of your thoughts on this. Subtext? What are you uh, talking about? You know, I don't want to... Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. Let, let, let me just put it this what? way. The relationship between uh, Johnny Whitaker's son in the film and the uh, the boy next door, uh, or the, the guy down the street, is a little strange. And uh, oh. in the fact that... Let's see. I'm trying to say this in the most uh, in the most PC way, without offending anybody. It, it, it seems like that they may have a fondness for each other that is not allowed to be explored within the confines of a family film. He just wanted someone to teach him how to swim. I think that <laughs> you're reading way too far into this, Todd. I'm a little embarrassed for you. To be honest. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, Johnny Whitaker's son is uh, he has uh, attracted uh, a uh, female student who uh, he is tutoring. And uh, he's very embarrassed because she wants to come over and swim in his giant, wonderful pool, and he doesn't know how to swim. Now, despite the fact that the pool itself probably only reaches mid-chest height, so he could just walk across the fucking pool and it wouldn't matter, uh, he decides that that is just too embarrassing. Just really too embarrassing. So what he really needs is this smooth, hairless jock to come over and teach him the ways of the swimming pool. And that's what happens in the movie. But it, and then it works out, and he gets to form a relationship with that, uh, that uh, lovely high school student. Uh, Peter, did you read anything into this subtext? I, 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 I don't really I understand. Do, I, I, I understand where Todd's coming from, only because hmm. Justin Cohn's performance is, is somewhat affected. <laughs> does seem like these characters should all be a lot younger than who are actually playing them but I need to interrupt for a moment because this is uh, from Justin Cohn's Twitter feed from August 25th he tweeted when at the movies I find myself asking why is this so fucking bad way too often (laughs) wait wait he tweeted that about what film August 25th, he's just upset that they make too many bad movies. Well, you know, 
You got to do, do what you got to yeah. do. I mean, maybe he hasn't seen a talking cat. <laughs> it's it's fully possible. Now, we haven't really talked about the plot of A Talking Cat in any detail. Uh, the plot, as written on IMDb, is a sassy feline helps a family resolve its problems. And uh, one of the notable things about the magical ability of the cat in A Talking Cat, voiced by Eric Roberts, is that he can only talk to a person once. That's the rule. And after that, he just has to be... Well, then he'll have his inner monologue again. But he can only ever speak to one of these characters once. So it's important that he really, you know, <laughs> helps them, helps their lives in some sort of significant way. Uh, but uh, I don't know if he's necessarily successful in that. I think one of the real difficulties with the talking cat is that the character itself is supposed to be a Garfield-esque sort of, uh, you know, kind of a, a lackadaisical goofy, eh, almost kind of an asshole to the, and sarcastic to the people around him. Also, that means that he has to make cat-based puns throughout the movie, which is certainly not <laughs> ideal. Um, <laughs> so when it comes to the plot of the movie, did you find it engaging, uh, Peter? Did you find yourself wondering where what twist and turn this movie was going to take next? Was Johnny Whitaker going to end up with Christine DeBell? Was, what was going to happen? Was Chris going to end up with Tina what was going to happen? Uh, I mean, actually, n- not really, but I think that's kind of the magic of the mm. movie. It's kind of a purgatory film, like a purgatory bad movie <laughs> where you're just, it's like a Satra play where it's just like no exit. <laughs> just they, like these characters are just wandering between in these two realms, the cabin and the mansion. And uh, I, you're, it, the trajectory is both obvious and yet the film is not on any straight path to get there. Uh, it's constantly cutting away to just random establishing shots. Uh, the cat. <laughs> there's a lot of establishing the, shots. I think IMDb <laughs> says something like there's 69 or 59 establishing <laughs> shots for a movie with two locations. But even like the cat, the cat has no real um, strategy. I mean, it, it's like a lot of what happens feels feels like it would have potentially just happened anyway. I mean, at one point he says, look at your computer. And then he's yes. like, well, if she, did, he make, did he make that image appear on the computer or was that just an email that she received that she <laughs> would have read anyway? There's a part where uh, one of the, a girl is looking for a job. The cat tells her to look at, uh, at her beeping machine, which is what the cat <laughs> refers to as computers, which is weird, too, because otherwise his, his vernacular seems to be normal, but he, doesn't, he can't wrap his head around beeping machines, like what a computer is called. Uh, for those not intimately familiar with the talking cat, you may wonder where the magic that allows the talking cat to talk <laughs> actually comes from. Well, in one of the climactic moments of the film, the cat is hit by a car and left bedridden. (laughs) (laughs) A.K.A. they wrapped some gauze around its fucking head and just laid it on a bed, and it looks like it's absolutely fine. (laughs) Explain to me, Todd, after this cat has this horrific accident, what do they do in order to revive it? Uh, well, I'll, I will let you explain this because I would like to hear what? your thoughts on it. Uh, it's pretty simple, Todd. <laughs> you see, there's this magic collar that is sitting on a rock somewhere that, really, like, just sitting on a fucking rock. <laughs> uh, just, uh, and the all the people 
uh, they get together, all these characters, uh, most of whom believe that this cat can talk because it's talked to them, and they head off into the woods. <laughs> now, they don't actually head to where this rock is because you never see them and the rock in the same shot. So they just walk into the middle of the woods, and someone's hand grabs this fucking collar, and this collar uh, bestows upon Duffy... Which looks cat. like the crown of uh, thorns that Jesus wears. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, there's a lot of religious imagery in this that we really should get into, but we're not going to have time for. Uh, and by by putting this crown of thorns around Duffy's neck, it allows him to have another life. I mean, really, just like. <laughs> but Jesus. here's the thing that you missed uh, out on. It's it's not just that they go into the woods and find this collar. It's that Duffy provided this information to. Um, I think that the swimming instructor character, Trent, but that was all like, but he's like, Duffy's supposed to be, the cat is supposed to be helping people. But when he talks to Trent, all all he does is like provides this advice to Trent without really giving Trent any real advice. And it's almost as if he's expecting to get hit by a car soon. (laughs) As if like maybe Duffy can perceive the fourth dimension. And it's just like, oh, I'm going to get hit by a car soon. I got to provide this information because it makes no sense that he provides this extra context to Trent in the middle of their well, their conversation. It makes a little bit of sense, but only in the context that he should be saying that to everybody, <laughs> right? If he knew that there was a collar that would provide him with extra lot life if he got killed in some way, that every time that he only had the to- opportunity to talk to the person once, he would be like, "Okay, there's a collar here, just in case anything happens, you got to get it." Now let's talk about your problems. <laughs> You're right, you're right. He should be telling everybody this information. But in terms of how Duffy ends up talking originally, I... Like, I might have missed it. I think I maybe did. Todd, did they tell us why he's able to talk? Uh, not that I recall. Did a wizard do no, it? No, I, th- I think, he, I think his, his, uh, the answer to that question is simply, I'm a talking cat. Like, it's just... <laughs> that's just what he is. <laughs> uh, talking cat? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Uh, now, uh, the uh, as I mentioned at the end of Halloween Puppy, the credits include a lengthy amount of footage of just the dog frolicking around and having its belly rubbed. Uh, it's even more <laughs> extensive in the closing credits for a talking cat, where the cat is literally, I think there's like a, a minute and a half of someone just dangling some uh, ribbon in front of the cat. And it's pawing at it, and like that's a movie. That's that's not even a fucking YouTube video, but in this movie, it's part of the movie. Uh, and as I mentioned before, the cat. I look. I don't want to be too cruel in regards to the cat, but it's not a very cute looking cat. It, to the point, as Peter mentioned before, they put a different cat on the front of the movie. Like a very different and cat. It, like at least in the Halloween Puppy, they found a somewhat similar dog. Uh, but this cat is like a. I mean, they have a kitten on the cover of a talking cat um, where it's just as like a, an older uh, very diff- distinctly different cat one of the the really key reviews for a talking cat on the IMDb it's called the cat on the poster isn't the cat in the movie <laughs> and it ends with be warned the cat is cute 
but not the cat on the poster. So that's something to really keep in mind. If you are going into a talking cat thinking that you're going to get the cat that's on the poster, you're going to be very disappointed. However, if you're going in to uh, experience Eric Roberts' really polished voice work, you're going to be even more disappointed because instead you get a performance that can only be accurately described as sleepy, uh, now, there's been some suggestion among some of our guests here today that drunken, <laughs> but it certainly doesn't sound like a professional acting experience. Uh, Peter, what did you think of Eric Roberts' voiceover work in A Talking Cat? I mean, it's very entertaining to listen to. I mean, he it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's slurry at times, and you, it's, it's difficult to decide whether or not that was a character choice on Eric Roberts' part or... Whether or not you know this was recorded at the end of a afternoon barbecue, um, I, as we learned a couple episodes ago, Eric Roberts sometimes has barbecues with Christopher Walken. So maybe it was after a nice barbecue with Christopher Walken. That's when uh, the a few brews come out, and then it's like, hey, let's record those lines for a talking oh, cat. Can you imagine if if if? <laughs> oh my! Now that's a world I want to live in. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> there's a sequel, and there's two cats, and maybe Walken's the second cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I love, I love, I love all of Eric Roberts' lines in this, though. Like, they're all, um, so, like, they're, there's little gems in every one because it, in the dialogue in which the rules of this movie are laid out and the rules make no sense and it's confusing. Um, that, like, his exposition to Trent is confusing, his advice is weird, his decisions to, to the, the dialogue of, uh, in which Roberts refers to things as beeping machines is <laughs> odd. Um, it's just so odd. But I, I like that he's, I think if he's going for anything, it sounds like he's kind of going for, like, a Western kind of mm. cat just pulled into town, gonna tell a story before I hit the dust of trail, kind of. Like, I think he's approaching that trajectory of performance, <laughs> which is kind of endearing. I'm shocked that he didn't fit in a plug for his son's musical <laughs> career into the dialogue. <laughs> By the way, go to Bandcamp. <laughs> you can hear a great album. Uh, and Lynn, my good friend David Duchovny. Anyway, Todd, what did you think of Eric Roberts' voiceover performance, exclusively voiceover performance, in a talking uh, cat? I think it was uh, spot on. For the uh, for the hmm. for the character, uh, I agree that it sounds like some sort of like uh, sleepy old west guy who is uh, just trying to impart some uh, misguided knowledge on those around him. Uh, I thought it was just it, it makes the movie for me. It's why I keep watching it. Todd, there's a part of the movie where the characters spend about seven minutes scanning clothing <laughs> items. Yes, They're, they 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 use. Really, I don't. I can't even describe the mechanism that they use in order well, to make like this a happen. Book light, maybe. But yeah, it's a book light. It, it looks like maybe. a book light. But they're scanning <laughs> clothes because the one of the girls in this movie she comes up with this app that allows you to pair clothing items together, uh, and it helps you make uh, make outfits that match. And that is the brilliant idea that the, that Johnny Whitaker's return to the technology game is based around. Uh, what did you think of that scene, Todd? I just want to hear your thoughts. I really would just quickly. like to say that uh, th- that program was uh, it was already designed by Cher and Clueless. 
Uh, I'm sorry if, <laughs> if that's a spoiler, but uh, no, no, it was it was a really bizarre moment. I, I, the, this this time through, I noticed that it looked like a a book light. I you know the the other times it was just kind of like God, I need to get through this scene so I can get to more cat. But no, it looked it, it was definitely I think a book light, and it is a complete throwaway moment that has really it just it's almost like it's in there to pad out the film a little bit. Is it almost almost like that? Like that. It's almost just, just, just I guess you know, I can see just what you're almost saying. Almost like that. <laughs> uh I guess now that we're getting to the end of our discussion on a talking cat, then we really have to get to the meat the meaty question, the meatiest of all meaty questions, which is whether this movie, recording quality of, of Eric Roberts' dialogue aside, does this confirm or deny the idea that he is indeed the fucking man? Let's start with you this time, Todd. Fucking man, yes. Uh, or no? I would give it a very strong yes. Mm-hmm. Fucking men? Fucking men. Yes or no? Okay. Uh, P- Peter, fucking men, yes I or no? I say yes, just because uh, despite mm. the recording quality, despite how um, nonsensical the dialogue frequently is, uh, it's iconic. Like, I mean, like, yeah. he's, he's somehow created, like, the character, I will never forget Duffy. I will never forget his <laughs> words of wisdom. <laughs> Peter Kaplowski currently is in a closet, uh, and that closet, the sound quality we're getting from you in that closet, still better than they got out of Eric Roberts in A Talking Cat, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, I would say, yes, check out A Talking Cat. Eric Roberts probably is not his finest moment. Uh, I do think maybe Runaway Train is still a little bit better. Maybe Pope of Greenwich Village, uh, still a, you know a superior performance, but it's not... Anything that's a real problem with this uh, this performance as Duffy in A Talking Cat is I can't really say that you can chalk it up as Eric Roberts' fault. Uh, that said, when uh, when people talk about this movie, and they will talk about it for years to come, he'll always be a big part of what they talk about, and uh, and they'll probably mock him a little bit for it. But uh, if you if you want to see what he could do if given a little bit more of an opportunity in a very similar kind of movie, you can always watch a Halloween puppy. And what you'll find is you probably won't have as good a time. So uh, so what are you even wasting your time with about all this? I don't know. You don't know. Whatever. Talking Cat, not currently available on Netflix, so go out and purchase yourself a copy and enjoy all you can enjoy out of it. Uh, the second of two David Dakota masterworks starring Eric Roberts. And again, mentioned on the previous show, nine times they've worked together. So whatever you think about how this turned out, they like to do movies together. And I imagine there'll be more to come in the future. That's the end of our discussion on The Talking Cat. We need to get to our final break. And when we return, some plugs, some updates, and a lot more. Meet us back here after this. Cat, I'm a kitty cat. And I dance, 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 and I dance, dance, dance. Cat, I'm a kitty cat. And I dance, 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 and I dance, dance, dance. Cat, I'm a kitty cat. And I dance, 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 and I dance, dance, dance. Cat. I'm 
And we're back. And I want to thank Peter Kaplowski for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to have someone not only who has an intimate familiarity with the talking cat, but someone who really uh, puts our previous guests to shame, makes them look like the garbage people that we all know that they are. Uh, Peter, thank you so much. And I know that you have a lot of work coming up and uh, people can find you in a lot of different places. Where can that be? Uh, they can find me at, uh, on Twitter at, at Peter Kapow. And I also run a Tumblr with Justin DeClue called the Laser Blast Film Society, and it's laserblastfilmsociety.com. And uh, that's part of a series that we run at the Royal Cinema where we uh, currently are, are basically showing movies that uh, were released on VHS and have otherwise sort of fallen to the cracks of, between the cracks of taste and convention, as I like to say. Um, and that series is on hiatus, but we're coming back in October, and we haven't picked our film yet, but look out for us in October. And then I've also got a couple festivals coming out. Tiff, you might have heard of it. And uh, Midnight Madness is um, uh, is what I uh, work on there with Colin Geddes. And uh, if you guys are looking for recommendations, Jeremy Saulnier's Green Room is one of the best genre films of the year. It's amazing with Patrick Stewart uh, as a white supremacist uh, owner of a club that wants to kill a punk band that has seen something in the green room that they should not have seen. And uh, and. It, from the director of uh, yes. Blue Ruin, is that correct? Yes, it is. And yeah, and again, if you saw that, you already know how good this is probably going to be. terrific. It's so, so good. And then um, we've got uh, Yakuza Apocalypse from Takeshi Miike, and Miike is coming, and he hasn't been in Toronto in like 16 years. So <laughs> uh, it's going to be a fun screening. Um, Miike's people have some very unusual things planned for the Q&A, so... Be excited. <laughs> and then also, I realized Toronto After Dark, uh, we're announcing stuff this weekend at Fan Expo. And since this drops Monday, I can actually, I can drop some some stuff um, oh. for you guys. I can confirm that we are playing two Sion Sono films. Oh. We are playing Sion Sono's Tag and Sion Sono's Love and Peace. And I'll say right now that Love and Peace is one of my fave films in the festival. It's a film that would be like this, maybe this year's Iga if people saw Iga a few years at, uh, ago at, at After Dark, um, Love and Peace is about a loser who... It's also animal-related, which is why I bring it up. It's about a loser <laughs> who flushes his turtle down a toilet after being made fun of for having a turtle and then gets so sad that he sings love ballads about his turtle that propel him to superstardom <laughs> while his turtle goes on adventures in the sewers. I, I was hoping that uh, Sona would make. Uh, he's making a, a. I think one of his films are playing yeah, at he's got this, six year. Films this so year. I. Yeah, he has six films this year. I was really hoping that uh, the After Dark Film Festival would would be showcasing some. So this is some excellent news yeah. for me. So that I'm very excited to report. And then um, I'll also mention, just because I'm helping out with the event, is that in October everything is terrible is coming back to Toronto, and they're going to be doing a, wow. an event at the Royal. Um, which I uh, hopefully will be doing a pre-show for them for. Todd, don't you wish you were in Toronto uh, right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little jealous. You should be more than a little jealous. All of this sounds amazing. I'm I'm jealous, and I'm within driving distance of Toronto in a very sh- uh, kind of a short manner. Todd, if they want to find out, and when I say they, I mean the listeners want to find out about your work, what's the best way for them to do you so? You can find me at The Film Fiend on Twitter, or you can check me out over at Dread Central. I will check you out. In fact, one of the things I noticed uh, as I was posting the most recent episode of Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man is remember that we talked about that movie Black Wake? I think it was called yeah. Black Wake. Uh, the source I was using 
for that news that I was talking about in the show was an article written by you, <laughs> but I didn't realize that until I posted nice. the, the, the podcast last time. So, of course, Todd, you do very well, good you. work. Check all of that out. You can check me out, of course, over at dailygrindhouse.com. You can check out my other podcast at nobudgetnightmares.com. And, of course, you can find me over at Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. If you want to check out more of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, you know, just recently uh, retweeted by the man himself, you can find that over at E-R-I-T-F-M on Twitter. You can also go over to com to find out uh, all the latest news. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever. The RSS feed is there as well. Or check out older episodes. Or look up Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook and check out the Eric Roberts is the fucking man group where I usually it's where my snarkiest commentary can be found on the next episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. We will do away with all previous episodes, (laughs) including this one. (laughs) Uh, This uh, episode, I believe will be dropping on September 21st. Our next episode I'm talking about. This will feature uh, shock cinemas, Michael Sullivan guesting a very exciting for me, a person I've been a fan of for a long time. He does, a lot of the interviews for that magazine, a really great writer as well. And we're going to be talking about two very interesting Eric Roberts starring movies. That includes Brian Michael Stoller's Miss Castaway and Wrong Cops. Earlier mentioned on this very show, Wrong Cops, as one of Eric Roberts' most memorable roles. Miss Castaway on, and Wrong Cops on episode 10 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man coming soon. Todd, do you have anything to say to the people before we go? Watch a talking cat as much as you can. Well, there you go. Uh, Peter, anything to add before you get out of the closet? Do, do, you, guys, uh, do you guys rank uh, them? Like, do, do you have, like, a, a canon or, like, an Eric Roberts canon, like, have to see? Or is that, is that I think the fucking man that's, thing? Well, I mean, that, 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 that is part of of the reason for the fucking man scale, but so far every movie has gotten re- <laughs> every movie has gotten full marks across the board that he's the fucking man for the most part. So it's probably not a very good one. The thing is, in my mind, yes, I do have a ranking, but unfortunately, they're all tied for number oh, okay. one. <laughs> Maybe when we get a little further down the road, it'll be time to start stacking them up. Uh, up to this point on the show, we've been matching one usually one more well-known kind of. Um, heyday Eric Roberts project, you know, from the 80s and and up to the mid-90s, and then uh, matching it with one of his latter-day projects, which tend to be a little bit uh, lower budget, but soon we're going to run out of that first category. (laughs) Yep. And that's when that's when the real ranking will have to begin, and that's when our sanity will take a sharp dive, I think. But uh, unfortunately, Todd, unfortunately for you, you have committed the rest of your life to this project, and Eric Roberts is just going to continue to make movies and television shows and weird radio podcasts. I really things. don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Peter, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you're incredibly busy. I know we're all looking forward to TIFF, and uh, we do hope to have you back again someday. I'm really glad you invited me. I'll hit the eject button now. (laughs) All right, everybody. We'll see you soon. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts is the fucking man.